Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. from Coolidge, Arizona. We are so pleased and blessed to be with you this morning. Um, in a beautiful day in April of the 23rd, 2023. And we are on episode number two of the uh, lesson concerning in the day of our Lord Jesus. That That phrase and others that are very close to it, speaking of the day of the Lord or whatever reference such as that. Um, and most of the scriptures that say that, uh, we can tie them all together in a, uh, a timeline, if you will, or a, a, a concept of when, when they were to occur by the context of the passage. So that's the day that we're talking about, uh, the day of the Lord. Um, we read two passages 
from uh, one in, from First Corinthians chapter one, the first nine verses, and the second one, Second Corinthians chapter one, uh, one through fourteen. We read all of those uh, verses, and they all concluded with the with the concept of uh, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord Jesus. Um, in other words, preparing. In uh, really, in the inference is very powerful in both those statements that there were those there at the church that would be uh, experiencing this in their own lifetime. That's that's the, as far as the grammar and the context goes, and all that's what we believe certainly uh, is being expressed there. <clears throat> Now, we believe that because of all the other scriptures concerning this, not just those two. Um, and by the way, I, uh, I'm very aware of the fact that many people will, may not agree with this, this whole thought. Um, but here's, the, here's what's happened that makes it important for us to look at it. <clears throat> the, in the day of the Lord is interchanged uh, randomly, willy-nilly, with the, the statement, the end of the world. As though those two things are exactly the same. But that is, that's men's terminology. That is not scripture, friends. So uh, I, I believe that's an error, and that's why we should look at this and possibly, by looking at this closely, as we're going to do and have been doing, we may be able to see that it cannot be the so-called end of the world. For the end of the world, we don't know anything about the end of the world. The Bible doesn't speak of it. It speaks of, number of a number of things that the end of... Uh, and, you know, the thing that I'm going to say, you may not agree with, but... All of those things that were coming to an end, we have the ending recorded in Scripture. The end of the world is not. And as far as God's creation and as things move along, we're, we have not come to that, uh, obviously. If you, have, if you haven't watched a few of the end of the world movies, you'd know that the cataclysm that they have there uh, certainly hasn't occurred. But we have to understand one thing uh, about that, and it's this. The, uh, this uh, day of our Lord is also tied to another phrase, that the, the, the things that happened during that, that time, the destruction, the mayhem, uh, all of the things that occur in that day, had not happened uh, before and will never happen again. So now we've got another element here, and we'll probably read some of that in some of the passages that we come to. <clears throat> That's the, the goal of this is to not be confusing the day of the Lord with the so-called end of the world that we don't uh, really we do not really understand from Scripture. Uh, anything about that particular thing. And the word end, of course, is, is key here too. Now, remember, um, 
the um, I think we we define certain things here. Uh, of course, the, the the word day used in the general sense as this is the Hebrew in the Old Testament is yom, and it it, it can be a 24-hour period or uh, long periods of time. It, it depends on the context and. and the context is very important in this study. If we forget the context, we're going to have trouble. Now, we read a lot of things. I want to start with, with the idea. I made a statement that the people in Corinth in the church in 58, 57 and 58 A.D., <coughs> I made the statement that there was a real inference to this occurrence being at hand shortly and, and and that there could be some of them that would experience it physically. But I want you to, we want to go to Romans 16.20, because it said to, to the church in Rome, just about the same period of time, I believe it's uh, uh, 58 AD, this letter was written. <coughs> we might have read it or mentioned it last week, but I want to read it again. This is in the conclusion of his uh, epistle to the Roman Church, which is uh, a masterpiece of uh, history, doctrine, and things to do with the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. But here he says, to the church, to the congregation, if you will, and the God of peace shall bruise the adversary under your feet quickly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, we have to wonder, uh, I was reading another one of my, uh, my other version, I think Darby, and it, it has the word shortly instead of quickly. But I think we, the, the idea is pretty, pretty clear. Something, Satan is going to be bruised. Or the, the, we know that the works of Satan were destroyed by Jesus on the cross. Uh, the, the works of Satan, uh, as far as the uh, bruising and crushing, uh, it's, uh, it, we have an issue of um, uh, the word. Um, many of the, many of the uh, scriptures use the word crush there. The concept is that Satan's workings within the world at that time was coming to a conclusion. It was going to change at least. And there is an artic- there's an article on that feet. It's the feet of you all. Under the feet, that's right. There's some specifics about this. It's you can't ignore who he's writing to. Right. Now, by the way, if you want to get even a little more technical, when we talk about the congregation or the assembly, who's being spoken about? Is not this the body of Christ? goes right back to the issue of Christ destroying the works of Satan, doesn't it? But as far as they were concerned, they were going to see another event shortly, soon, uh, whatever word you want to use. And we we dealt with that about two, three, four weeks ago. Um, Hard to argue with those words. It's hard to put thousands of years on them, uh, at least, uh, because we're talking about just a few short years here from these writings, 10... 10 to 12 years before the end of the Jewish covenant 
had actually occurred according to scripture uh, I'll add because that that's what we find so now we're going to go to the Old Testament we're going to read some of these passages so if you got a pen you want to write these scriptures down it'd be a good idea we're going to have quite a few of them today um, instead of just listening to what I think I think we need to listen to what the scriptures say now, one warning in the Old Testament, when you're reading things from the prophets, you have to always make sure uh, what is being spoken about. Um, the, uh, you know, the nation of, of Israel um, came to a uh, rather a climatic end uh, when they were taken away to Babylon by the... Uh, by Nebuchadnezzar and his generals and, and the army, they were taken into captivity. And there's much prophecy concerning that. And, and the, that day that occurred actually, actually took about three different days. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar came back to get more and more and more as, as time rolled on through the years. And we read about that, of course, uh, in the Old Testament uh, quite a little bit from the prophets. So you want to make sure that uh, that's not what you're reading about instead of the day that would follow that, uh, the, the the day that we'll be talking about here. So I'll, I'll give you an example. In Jeremiah chapter 30, the entire chapter goes from the warnings of... Um, and I'll just let me read the first uh, few verses here. The word that has been, that hath been from Jeremiah, from Jehovah, saying, Thus spake Jehovah, God of Israel, saying, Write these all the words that I have spoken unto thee on a book. For lo, days are coming, an affirmation of Jehovah, and I have turned back to the captivity of my people Israel and Judah. And Jehovah said Jehovah, and I have caused them to turn back into the land and I gave their, that I gave their fathers that they do possess. Now, we're, we're talking about Israel in captivity here. We know the dates. But as we go on in this chapter, we move through that period and their restoration, and then we, and then we read it from verse 21 through 24 in this same chapter, the rest of the story, if you will. Okay, this is following all of this. And it's another, of course, it's another prophetic warning of things to come. It says, And his honorable one hath been of himself, and his ruler from the midst goeth forth, and I have caused him to draw near, and he hath drawn nigh unto me. For who is he who hath pledged his heart to draw nigh unto me? The affirmation of Jehovah. Now, that's speaking of God's Messiah. Messianic passage, if you will. And you have been to me for a people, and I am to you for God. Lo, a whirlwind of Jehovah, fury hath gone forth, a cutting whirlwind on the head of of the wicked it stayeth. The fierceness of the anger of Jehovah 
doth not turn back till his doing, yea, till his establishing the devices the devices of his heart in the latter end of the days we consider it. Now what's being said here? We have a latter end of the days, don't we? You'll find that that latter end of the days and the day of the Lord are very closely uh, put together. The latter end, meaning those days leading up to uh, the latter end. The entire New Testament is written to the Jewish people in these last days. They were living in the last days, and they knew it. All of them knew it. The last days of what? The end of the world? No, the end of the covenant. That's all they knew of. There was no New Testament to read about anything further. Uh, They knew about this. They knew that this would bring about uh, just what was said here, a great disturbance. They had read the the prophets. Uh, All of this is concerning Israel and Judah. And that's exactly what we had there. Now, that whole chapter is dealing from Babylon clear to A.D. 70, if you want to look at it like that. But that's what prophecy is, isn't it? Now let's look at Daniel chapter 12, first four verses. This is the end of the writing of Daniel. After all the visions and things that he has seen about these great events, just read what he says here and the things that he sees. And remember, everything that Daniel is speaking of concerns the Jewish people and them alone. Well, the people of God, whether they are Jewish by birth or converted to Judaism or or uh, in Christ, it would also concern them. But that, of course, is not mentioned here <clears throat> in in those words. But they are God's people. But here we have, in particular, the Jewish people mentioned. And at the la- and at the time, stand up, doth Michael. He's a great archangel, the great head, who is standing up for the sons of thy people. And there hath been a time of distress. Now listen, such as had not been since there hath been a nation till that time. And at that time do thy people escape. Everyone who is found written in the book. Now. We find this book mentioned throughout the New Testament by Jesus and, of course, the apostles, and Revelation especially. You read Revelation, you'll notice that this has to be the time. The book is only brought into play once, once in reality, where it's actually going to be used for what it's, what it's ne- what's necessary for it to be doing. Now, verse 2 says, And the multitude of those sleeping in the dust of the ground do awake, some to life age during, and some to reproaches, to abhorrence age during. This is resurrection, isn't it? This is those coming um, back to life, being resurrected, uh, transformed, and changed. Um, This is what's being spoken of. That's an interesting point, 
and it should really be dating us in our minds. And those teaching do shine as the brightness of the expanse, and those justifying the multitudes as stars to the age forever. And thou, O Daniel, hide these things and seal the book till the time of the end. Many do go to and fro, and knowledge is multiplied. Now, this fourth verse, many times people will try to pull it out of this context yes. and use it for some for the end of whatever, the end of the world or yes. whatever. But the thing is, we see the fulfillment of, of this uh, prophecy within the pages of our Bible. So... And I think one of the things that's confusing that uh, knowledge will increase. Yeah. And let me say this about that. <laughs> I've noticed through the years of me listening and reading and studying and uh, hearing people talk about people, when they talk about ancient people, there's always that idea that they are ignorant. Now, I cannot... I cannot tolerate that any longer. And it needs to be understood that is simply foolishness. By the way, how ignorant do you imagine Adam was? How ignorant are, are these people you're talking about? How ignorant? And it's, it's not there that they don't know about uh, cell phones and a computer. Uh, in that way, we'll give, maybe we should give them a pass there. But the things, we couldn't live in their world. We would probably die in a week because we don't, know, we don't know how to survive in the world that you have to be able to do certain things to get along. So who's ignorant now? You know, Neil, if they were, if they were ignorant, then why did the Jewish leaders seek to lie about the resurrection almost immediately after it happened? And for the Bible to record that lie, as something that was being spread and spread ever since at the time of that writing. So, that's right. And of course, there's the, the, 100 evidences. The debate, of course, uh, many of the Jews didn't believe in the uh, spiritual realm and the resurrection, and others did. They were still arguing the point then, just as they are today. Um, but you're, you're right. They knew, they knew about the resurrection. They read it from their own passages in the Old Testament. It was clearly there. What do you suppose Daniel's talking about here? Those sleeping in the dust do awake. How could you be a Jewish leader and, and say that, that can't possibly be true? There is no life after this one. Nonetheless, there is. This did occur, and, and, and things were revealed. How do we know that? Because John wrote the very same things. He was told to do the very same thing. Write this in a book. Write this down. And do not close this up. Re send this to, to all the assemblies. Now, so I, I want to bring that in, um, and then I want to move on to Joel. Another prophet, sometimes called a minor prophet, but we don't use those, that terminology. 
<clears throat> just because the letter's short, the things he had to say were just as profound as any prophet. So we'll go to Joel, the second chapter, the first two verses. Blow ye a trumpet in Zion, and shout ye in my holy hill. Tremble, do not do uh, tremble, do all the inhabitants of the earth, for coming is the day of Jehovah, for it is near. A day of darkness and thick darkness, a day of cloud and thick darkness, a darkness spread on the mountains of people numerous and mighty, like it there hath not been from old, and after it there is not again till the years of generations and generations. Now we have the same terminology here, that something is going to happen that has never happened before at that level or ever again. In what? The, the day of Jehovah. Now, uh, if we let's move on to verses 28 through 32. Uh, there's much other writing concerning uh, their, what they should be doing. But in 28 through 32, we read this as a kind of a conclusion to this. And it hath come to pass afterwards. After what? After all the things that have been, been talked about here. Uh, such as the, the the priest being criticized and 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 all the things that they were doing wrong, but now after that all of that, he says, "I do pour out my spirit on all flesh." By the way, you remember in Peter's sermon, the first gospel sermon ever preached in Acts chapter two, uh, these he quotes Joel from this point. Now, if you don't think that somehow ties all of this together, uh, I think we, we could probably argue that to a better conclusion than you might think. So, God is saying, I do pour out my spirit on all flesh and prophesy, have your sons and your daughters, your old men do, do, do dream dreams, your young men do see visions, and also on the men servants, and on the maidservants, in those days I do pour out my spirit. And I have given wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun is turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the day of Jehovah, the great and fearful. Verse 32. And and it hath come to pass, Everyone who is calleth in the name of Jehovah is delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there is, no, is, is an escape, as Jehovah hath said, and among the remnant whom Jehovah is calling. Was there a remnant in that day? Of course there was. The remnant of, of the living Jews, those that had called upon the Lord, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, their Messiah, to be delivered. There was a way of escape, and we know that from historical accounts. Uh, Jerusalem, after the book of Revelation was 
written in uh, the early years of A.D. 60, probably 62, 63, 64, somewhere. It was in the churches by that time. There was a great exodus from Jerusalem by Christians and other places, and they went to other, other places to, to come, uh, to live, because they understood by the writing in, Jer- in Revelation what was going to transpire in Jerusalem. Not Rome, not Babylon, Jerusalem. And there's a, a big confusion there, too, um, because of the terminology, the figurative language, actually. So uh, this is a, this is ties everything together. You see, this is prophetic. As Jesus said, all things concerning me have been written. And everything that he did was to fulfill everything that was said of him. So when he ascended to heaven, and when he... And and when the end of the age came and the presence of the Lord was there, all that had been written concerning him and what he was doing had been fulfilled at that time. Many people will agree with that, but they still are dealing with the end of the world concept as attached to some some other thing, as though there will be another time period. Now, If there's another time period, it's not in the scripture. Um, There can't be two of things that are all singular that happen once in the Bible. Now, if there's another time past that time, I can't can't speak to that. And no one can um, in a a proper way. Paul did write that Christ died once for all. That's right, and and so you can't you can't argue you can't put stuff on at at the front or the back of that, uh, you know. Unless I'm missing something. No. Once is once. I mean, regardless of. Well, I won't even get into the problems in Christendom on, on that particular point, but the scripture is clear: once for all, and. Uh, by the way, it's also included in at the end, at the end of the covenant, at the end of the days. That's when that occurred. Matter of fact, that's in Hebrews chapter nine, I believe. Uh, we don't have time to go there today, but uh, read Hebrews chapter nine, and you'll see what Nolan has uh, said here, along with how it ties to actually this particular thing we're studying as far as the end of the age goes. Now, as I said, um, this passage in Joel is very closely tied, and Peter quotes this in in, in Acts chapter 2, verses 17 through uh, 20, that you can read on your own. I want to stick with the Old Testament here. Amos chapter 5, verse 18, has a reference here to... Uh, this subject. Ho ye who are desiring the day of Jehovah. Why is this to you? why is this to you, the day of Jehovah? It is darkness and not light. Okay, and he goes on to talk about the context of this passage, that's why it's so important, is the fact 
that Israel is living apart from the law. They, that, and, and they are desiring the day of Jehovah. That is the end of the age, so they can be blessed. But the thing is, they don't have a blessing coming the way they're living. And that's why he says it'll be, it's going to be a day of, of darkness for you. It'll be as a bear bites you and a serpent bites you. Okay? In other words, this is a warning. But it's, isn't it the same day of Jehovah that they were waiting for in, in the days of Amos? Did the Jews know of the day of Jehovah? Of course they did. Even Job spoke of that day when he sees his Savior face to face. Um, we can't escape this conclusion. And, and the thing is that we think, unfortunately, Christendom thinks that we know about the, the uh, end of the world or the day of the Lord, and the, but the Jews didn't. That's not true. And the scriptures prove it. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, speaking of this particular time. And of course he's speaking to who? The things that Isaiah the son of Amos hath seen concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it hath come to pass in the latter end of the days. See, how much more specific can we get here? Established is the mount of Jehovah's house above the top of the mounts, and it hath been lifted up above the heights, and flowing unto it have all the nations. This is figurative language, friends, representing the the uh, the same thing that Daniel told King Nebuchadnezzar of. The kingdom that was cut from the mountain without hands, that has no end, that, that destroys all other man-made kingdoms. For this kingdom is not man is not from man, but from God. This is what's being talked about here. This is the end of the age and the in the beginning of this kingdom coming into the world. It's what Jesus preached on, the nearness of the kingdom of God, the nearness of it. They were still living in the historical realm uh, of the latter end of the days in Jesus' lifetime. So we have the prophet Isaiah here, also in verse 12 of of this chapter. Uh, In verse 12, there's the reference. For a day is to Jehovah of hosts, for every proud and high one, and for every lifted up and low one. And this is another reference to a day I just wanted to bring in. Um, This is how God speaks to men concerning days and times. And there's a, a real time frame here, as we discussed last week. Um, God created time, days, uh, evening and morning, weeks, months, and years for man to register his comings and goings, if you will. The seasons, all of these things are for that particular, uh, for our well-being and our keeping track of things. Um, And we need to do, I think, maybe a little better job of it. 
Uh, Isaiah 24, chapter 24, verses 21 through 23. It says this, And it hath come to pass in that day, Jehovah layeth a charge of the host of the high place in the high place, and on the kings of the land on the land. And they have been gathered, a gathering of bound ones in a pit, and shut up they have been in a prison, and after a multitude of days are inspected, and, con- and confounded has been the moon, and ashamed hath been the sun, for reigning hath Jehovah of hosts in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and over against his elders' honor. Now what's being spoken of here? The sun and the moon are the, is the leadership and the ruling government of Israel. That's, the, that's what the sun, moon, and the stars, of course, are the, the dignitaries, of the, and, and, the, and the constellations are all the people. And how do we know that, that this really means that? Well, we go all the way back to where the sun, moon, and stars are first mentioned in this. So we go all the way back to Genesis, when Joseph, or Joseph, had a dream. And this is and that's what he said. He referencing his father and mother as the sun and moon. And and, and right. And, and and stars were his brothers. By the way, they understood exactly what he was talking about. And they were not happy whatsoever about about that. But, of course, they didn't understand what was being said to them. Joseph had a wonderful future ahead of him to do a great, great work. As as Joseph said himself of his brothers that sold him into slavery, uh, what they did uh, out of an evil desire, God has used for good. And because they were brought out of Israel through the, the whole uh, encounter of uh, Joseph being the second ruler, <laughs> second in charge of in, in Egypt at that time. So that's right. What a what a thing. So don't don't just don't just move away when you see sun, moon, and stars and 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 things like this figurative language. Yeah, from one verse, just pick a verse out. You you don't maybe you don't know what it means. Who would? But you go to the scriptures. By the way, I, I want to add something. If you're looking for an antique Bible to buy, the uh, the one by Alexander Campbell, the New Testament, called the Living Oracles, has in it within a within that Bible in the references has a section all about this figurative language used f- uh, from eons back until now. This is was this is not unknown, friends. It may be unknown to Christendom, has fallen by the wayside, but this is very, very well known. And those are in reference, those are used in reference. In other in other words, instead of naming everyone by name, these references are used to to make it in a general way, but still say the same thing. Remember, what are the sun and the moon? Are they not the rulers of, of uh, day and night? 
You see, everything is there, and and the stars also. Um, so, I I think that's. Um, uh, let's go to Isaiah, last one in Old Testament, Isaiah twenty-five verses seven through nine. And swallowed up hath he this mountain, the face of the wrapping that is wrapped over all the people, and of the covering that is spread over all the nations. He has swallowed up death in victory, and wiped hath the Lord Jehovah the tear off all faces, and the reproach of his people he turneth aside from off all the earth. For Jehovah has spoken, and one has said in that day, Lo, this is our God, we wait for him, and he saveth us. This is Jehovah. We have waited for him, we, jo- we joy and rejoice in his salvation. Now what is this speaking about? It can only be one thing. The end of the covenant, when all of these things uh, occur, when was it that, that God turns, uh, turns aside from all the sin that has, been, that has been committed? Only one time. Only one time. When the blood of Christ was shed on the cross and paid the penalty for sin. That's when it occurred. And when was that? That was in, at the latter end of the days of, of the, the covenant, Right? That's what's being spoken of here, that day. That day. And just because we we don't use this terminology in our Christian faith as far as speaking uh, about these things, doesn't mean that it isn't scriptural, doesn't mean that it's not important to understand. That's why the more we know about God's dealings, God's covenant with Israel, the more we will appreciate and know about the, the uh, body of Christ and, and what Christi- Christianity truly represents. It represents the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham and all that came in that first covenant. Um, and that is a wonderful thing. But you know, if you don't know that, if you don't understand that, you don't have a lot of appreciation of what you have as a Christian. This is why it's important. That's why our Bibles... Have it, have it all in there. Well, this is taking a lot longer than I thought, but we got we can do just a little more as we turn to the New Testament. We're going to have to have another another week to conclude this this thought, probably. Now, in the New Testament, the true end of the age is known as the event or the parousia. Um, and and I think to deliver that idea, let's just go to Matthew 24, verse, I think it's 3 or 4, um, when the apostles asked Jesus about this. Yes, it's verse 3, Matthew 24, verse 3. Now, they had just went... Through, uh, out through the temple area, and the apostles were showing Jesus the beauty of the building, the stones, the gemstones in the, in the buildings themselves, 
And Jesus told them that not one of these stones will be left upon another. Now that shook them to the core because they knew what he was talking about. This is the end of the age. The end of the age means the end of the Jewish covenant and the end of the, of the Jewish worship system and all to do with that at an end. So here's what they said in verse 3. When they finally get to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sits, and, and when he is sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came near to him by himself. Four of them came very close. The others were right there saying, Tell us, when shall these be? And what is the sign of thy presence and the full end of the age? Now, do we got the time period down here? This covenant comes to a conclusion. The presence of Christ, the presence is known as, in the Greek word for that is parousia, uh, most of our Bibles translate the word parousia as coming every time it occurs when it shouldn't be. It's a noun, not a verb. Anyway, this translator has it right, Young. He, he has it as pr the presence of who? The presence of the Lord. They have that understanding. This is the Messiah, the presence of the Messiah at the end of the age. And the full end of the age. Full end meaning there's no more. That's what we're talking about. All right. Let's just go. Uh, the, by the way, the Prusia to the Jewish people were, was considered to be the deliverance and the judgment of all Israel. In other words, for God's people uh, in general. And at that time, there could have been uh, God's people that had come to Christ within this buffer period. So we, we have that, that concept. The deliverance and judgment of, of the Jewish people, of the righteous Jews and the unrighteous, would, would, would be uh, done at this time. That's what Daniel was talking about. Those rising from the dirt out of the dust of the earth. It's all, all the same thing. And it only happened one time. And by the way, I believe that it's already happened because of the end of the age that we're speaking about here, not the end of the world. So let's just look at a couple passages in the New Testament before we have to conclude today. <clears throat> uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. I don't recall just what this says. Um, okay. This is Paul talking to the Christian people in Ephesus. And he says this, And make not sorrowful, sorrowful the Holy Spirit of God, <coughs> in which you were sealed to a day of redemption. Now, that sounds like to me that they were waiting, still awaiting their day of redemption. They were sealed for it, and it was theirs. 
as long as they did not depart the truth. As long as they did not part, make sorrowful, or whatever word, there's other words translated there, <clears throat> the Spirit of God. In other words, if you leave, if you leave the faith, then this, you have no part in this redemption. <clears throat> but remember, this they were awaiting the Prusia when this scripture was written. That's why we've got to get this time frame. Just because it's the New Testament doesn't mean that the end of the age has occurred. No, it doesn't. But the day of redemption was in their future. They had... They were promised, the promise of God that they would be redeemed in Christ, but they needed to wait till the day or maybe they would would uh, put aside their physical bodies and 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 be brought brought into the realm in another way before this happened. All right. And then he goes on with you know the following verses are just how they should live. They need to live live right. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be one to another kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, according as also God in Christ did forgive you. Another very bold reminder there. How we treat each other, is that how we want to be treated? Oh, I don't think we do. Well, we're out of time. We'll pick it up there next next week with the New Testament passages and try to tie all this together for you <clears throat> to where you can speak uh, very well concerning the uh, the end of the age, the end of the in the spoken about in the New Testament, and make it very clear that the end of the world is not not that particular day. So we pray that you will be uh, found busy about your work for the Lord this coming week. We pray you join us again next week. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.